Today's scripture is from 1 John 2, 1 through 6. 1 John 2, 1 through 6. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And by this we know that we have come to know him, if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. This is God's word for us today. You may be seated. Good morning. Welcome to Grace Community Church. So glad that you are here. We're uh, on part two of a very, very brief mini-series, two messages, partnering in the gospel, partnership in the gospel. You've heard me say that lots and lots of times. If you've been here for a while, you've heard us talk about the fact that God has called us to be and to make disciples. And all of us together, those of us who are followers of Christ, we are disciples and we are the church. The church is not just the organization. It's not a building. It's a group of people. It's a group of followers of Christ. And our mission as followers of Christ is to to demonstrate and declare the gospel to other people, to be and to make disciples. And that's, that's what it means to be in a partnership with the gospel. I want to start with a uh, <clears throat> fun multiple choice, uh, multiple choice quiz here. Uh, what's the story with a thousand people coming to Christ and bless? Now, for those of you who have been here for a few years, that sparks a memory. For those of you who are new, you're like, don't know, absolutely clueless. And that's fine. I'm talking to those who have been here for at least a couple of years. In year 2020, it was actually right before COVID started. We said that we had a goal. We wanted to see um, God use all of you, all of us to see 1,000 new people come to declare their faith in Christ and begin following him as disciples. And then COVID happened and, and all sorts of stuff other happened. And, and we would mention that from time to time, but you haven't heard it for a while. And then, and then in 2021, last spring, we did a series on, on, on learning to love well and loving your neighbors as ourselves, which is what it means to be a disciple is we seek to obey Christ's commandments, which is to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbors as ourselves. And we went through this little clever acronym called BLESS, uh, begin with prayer, listen, eat, serve, and, and share, share your faith. And we spent, uh, we spent um, six weeks on that. So what's the story with a thousand people coming to Christ and bless? Here's your choice. Here's your choices. A, we've moved on. B, we don't care. That's a possibility. We don't care. Uh, C, we're exhausted. How many of you were here last week? How many of you are still exhausted? You, you haven't, yeah, you heard the message, but it didn't help. So we're completely exhausted. We're completely exhausted. We just forgot. Oh, the thousand people. Bless. What, I don't, what happened? I just forgot. Um, all the above. All the above. Or, or none of the above. I don't want to hear your answers, quite frankly. 
Because I know what some of you are going to say. Some of you are going to say, yeah, you moved on. And here, in all fairness, in all fairness to you that are somewhat cynical, you know, every year we do a new sermon series. We do this, we do that. Here's this campaign. And we're infamous as, as a church for, for really getting on this one thing for about six months and then whatever happened to that. So that's a thing. I'm just going to grant you that that's a thing. That's the thing. But the idea that we want to see a thousand people come to Christ, that's, we haven't forgot about that. And the idea that we want each and every one of you, including myself, to become people who learn to love well, uh, that's, that's not something we forgot about. But here's the problem. Let's just be honest. Can we? Can we? Not many are able, nor do you want to. <laughs> so there's that. <laughs> so here we go. That's why we're exhausted. That's why we're exhausted. The church in the West, I told myself not to start negative, but it's really hard. (laughs) The church in the West tends to be consumeristic. Can we agree with that? We, We tend to be, as a culture, very, very into consuming. So we view, we view the church experience, however you define church, we, div- we view that as a church is a place where I go where I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hear something and I'm going to passively receive it. We don't necessarily view the church as what the church is, the body of Christ doing the will of God. Okay, so what, what the goal is, yes, we do care about people coming to Christ. And yes, we want to love our neighbors as ourselves. As a, as a church, as a church. But something has to transform. We need a paradigm shift, honestly. I, I need it, I need it, and I think we corporately, we need it. We need a paradigm shift, and that, that's to actually really understand what a disciple is. I, the word discipleship, it's white noise. It's white noise. It's like gospel. I remember talking to somebody, uh, another pastor, um, about our values, committed to gospel truth, gospel community, um, gospel mission. And and he just kind of laughed. He says, yeah, you're the gospel church. We say the word gospel so often, it doesn't mean anything necessarily. Disciple is the same way. How many of you have heard the word disciple or discipleship a kajillion times? I don't even know what a kajillion is, but it's a lot, right? So what does it mean? A disciple is an apprentice of Jesus who learns to live their lives in such a way that obedience to Jesus characterizes all they do. That's what we mean when we're saying we are disciples who then make disciples. Now, if that is in fact true... That a thousand people coming to Jesus, it's just a matter of time. The fact that we, we love and bless our neighbors, that's going to be a reality. But here's, here's the thing. We have to become people who can, that is, we have the ability, who can, we have the ability and want, we have the desire to do what Jesus commands. That's problematic because within the body of Christ, there are a great many people who don't think they can. Notice I didn't say they can't, but they don't think they can. And secondly, quite frankly, they don't really want to. They can muster up enough energy to... (laughs) Sit in a Sunday morning service a couple times a month... 
But this whole following Jesus and being his apprentice, that sounds exhausting. That was last week's sermon. If you missed that, you can tune in and and get that. You'll relate to it. I did. I preached it. But I I also feel it too. I I understand what it means to, to, to... not have the energy. And, but, so there's a, there's a sense in which a disciple is an apprentice of Jesus who adjusts their lives in such a way that the power of God flows in and through them so that they actually can and desire. They want they, Both. They can do it and they want to do it. It energizes them. doesn't exhaust them. So that's a paradigm shift. That has to happen. That has to happen. We as a body of believers, that paradigm shift, it it has to click over in our minds so that we stop seeing being a disciple as something which is going to suck us dry and suck the life out of us and and take all of the things that we want. Instead, it's, it's a journey. It's a process by which we take his yoke upon us and we learn from him and he gives us rest. Okay, that, that's a little bit of last week's message, but this morning we're going to look at discipleship. Three questions. Number one, is this even possible? I mean, let's just answer the question. Can this be done? Is it a thing that we can experience? Secondly, how does it work? If it is possible, how does it work? And third, that's up to you and me as individuals. What am I going to do with this? How am I going to respond? So let's go to the Lord in prayer, ask him to move in our hearts. Father, we come to you. In humble dependence, man, we need your spirit. We cannot do this alone. We can't do it on our own. Father, there are many people here who don't feel that they can be your apprentice. And quite frankly, some of them don't even want to. So, Father, I pray that your spirit would move in and through us. Lord, not to just give us one more sermon on how to try harder to do what we're not equipped to do, but equip us so that we can, so that we desire, so that we can be your hands and feet, so that we can experience your presence, commune with you, Father. Help me as your your servant, Lord, to teach the word of God clearly in such a way that Christ is exalted. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, here we go. Starting with the question, is discipleship possible? Just one scripture from John chapter 13, verses uh, 34 and 35. This is Jesus on the evening that he was betrayed. It's right after he washed his disciples' feet and said, you guys do this too. Go do likewise. He says, a new commandment I give to you that you love, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. Verse 35. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So, I will put the question to you. Does Jesus think that it's possible for his followers to become the kind of people who as a matter of their nature and a matter of their practice love, other, love one another? Do you think Jesus thought this was possible? Yes or no? I'm going to go with a yes. That's not a hard one. That took all of 30 seconds for point number one. Now moving on. It is possible. You may not feel it's possible, but Jesus says it's possible. Now here's the little trick about Jesus. Not a trick. little truth. He always says what he means, and he always means what he says. He doesn't give propaganda that isn't true. If he says it, it's true. Later in chapter 15, we'll get to that later in the sermon, he says... You can do all things through me. Apart from me, you can do 
nothing. So yes, it is possible. So let's move on to the, uh, the, the, the trickier question that we're going to spend a little bit more time with, and that is, well, how does this work? How does this work? Last week we talked, I asked the question, how many of you, it exhausts you when you think about being a disciple and, and, and obeying everything that he commands? Just a quick show of hands. How many of you were exhausted last week and still are? Still, still exhausted? Okay, a lot of you. A lot of the body of Christ, you're tired. You're tired. And you look at one more command, one more thing to do, one more thing you're being asked to do to follow Jesus. And it's like, oh, I just want a vacation. And so how does this work? Let me, first of all, we're going to spend part of this talking about how it doesn't work. Discipleship is not trying harder. Can you say it with me? Discipleship is not trying harder. How many of you... Uh, how many of you have run a marathon in the past? Okay, not many, but some. Hands held high. Let's see. How many of you want to run a marathon? About the same number of hands. How many of you have no desire and couldn't run one if you were told to run one? Raise your hand. All right, most of you. All right. We're going to, little little experiment here. This is not what the scriptures say, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reinterpret the Great Commission. Jesus died for your sins. He's given you the Holy Spirit. And He has commanded you, Lo, all authority has been given unto me. Go therefore and run 26.2 miles for the glory of Jesus Christ. How many of you feel now that you can? What? You're being asked to do something that, first of all, you don't desire to do. And secondly, if, even if you did, you couldn't. But, but, oh, the preacher, he lays it on thick. Think about what Jesus did for you as he bled on the cross. Think, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. And so what does that do? It, it gives you the, the internal gumption to say, dang it, I'm going to run that marathon. <laughs> and so Monday morning you lace up those shoes and, and you make it a mile and a half and you collapse in a puddle of exhaustion and torn muscles. And you fail and you feel bad. But so then you come back to church the next week and you hear, you hear once again, don't you know how much Jesus loves you? Don't you see the command to be and make marathon runners? Now go therefore and run, right? And so you double down, you double down on the try harder uh, mode and, and you still can't do it. You sit. How many of you, you're like, that's not even a metaphor. That's what my Christian experience feels like. Anybody? This is super common. This is super common. Discipleship is not trying harder. Do do you know that a marathon, running a literal marathon, 26.2 miles, is far, far easier than loving your enemies? Do you know that? Do you know what Jesus is asking you as his disciple to do is more difficult than actually running 26.2 miles? 
Now, those of you who have never run 26.2 miles and you loathe running are thinking, that's not true. It is true. Because loving your enemies is supernatural. Running a marathon is natural. But telling you to try harder to do either is not helpful. Does that make sense? So let's stop trying to harder and let's, let's figure out what it, what it means to actually become the kind of person who, as a matter of course, desires and wants to and is able. How do we do that? Not by trying harder, but by training. Some of you are like, here I thought you were going to tell us how we could find rest. <laughs> training sounds like work. It is work. Jesus said in Luke chapter uh, 6, verse 40, a disciple, apprentice, is not above his teacher, but everyone when fully trained will be like his teacher. Hmm. So training is involved in discipleship. Yes, it is. So how is training different from trying harder? How is training different from trying harder? Let me give you a, a an example in the natural realm. So some of you heard this story before, but I'm old, I'm 55. It's only going to get worse as I get older. I'll tell the same stories older and over. Grandpa Brooks is telling the same story again. Okay, so, so I came to the University of Iowa in 1985 to wrestle here at, for, for Dan Gable. And um, I broke the lineup part of the time my freshman year and it was crushed by the guy that came out after football, and then I didn't, 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 didn't wrestle in postseason. Sophomore year, I wrestled full-time the whole year. So I go to Big Ten Tournament, and I wrestled the defending national, or the guy who would eventually win the NCAA title, and he, he beat me, and then I was in the wrestlebacks, and I won a match, and then I got beat twice, and I didn't place. And so I was out. I was out of the tournament. I didn't place. I didn't qualify to go on to wrestle in the NCAA tournament. And I was crushed, and I was upset, and I... Don't like to lose, uh, didn't like it then, I still don't enjoy it, haven't acquired a taste for it, but I, I grabbed my warm-ups and I sprinted off into the locker room bawling. Some of you are like, you cried? I can't believe it. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm all but always been emotionally unstable. So I'm just, I'm very upset and Gable follows me back and he's not terribly pleased either, but he's not crying and... He sits down and, I'm, and he says two things. First of all, remember the pain that you feel right now. When you look in the mirror, look at yourself. You see that guy? You see what kind of pain he's in? Two weeks from now, you won't feel this level of pain. So don't forget it because you don't want to feel like this next year. Use that as motivation. Now, he didn't stop there because I could have heard, I could have heard the following. Just try harder next time. That's not what he said. He said second thing, second thing. You're a fighter. You're a fighter. You battle. Whenever you step on the mat, you leave everything there. I can't coach that. It's just something that's intrinsic. You have that. You are a fighter. But you have no idea how to wrestle. <laughs> but I can fix that. Do you know he never said try harder? In fact, I met with Gable last week, just was interviewing him for some things. And we were talking, I reminded him of that story. And he's like, he does, 
he gets intense every once in a while, even though he's older. He's like, take the try out. <laughs> a little pithy saying. So take the try out. Anyway, no, trying is not helpful. Yes, you've got to try, but that's something that if you want to do it, you're going to try to do it, but that doesn't mean you're going to be sex- successful. What, what Gable was saying is, I can fix that, meaning if you become my disciple, if you become my apprentice, if you walk beside me, behind me, and you stay close to me, and you watch what I do, Here's what he was saying in essence. Brooks, I want you to, when you step in the Iowa wrestling room, I want you to look at all those pictures of all those guys who have won NCAA titles and all those guys who are Olympians and all those guys who are all Americans. I want you to watch what they do and I want you to do what they do. I want you to train like they train because as you train like they train, you will become the kind of person who can and wants to be a great wrestler. But you're not a great wrestler right now. That is almost identical to the way discipleship works. Now let me tell you why I said almost. That's totally natural. I don't need the Holy Spirit to do that. Do you know that there are lots of individuals who do not love Jesus, but they are absolutely fabulous competitors? So getting Jesus in my heart doesn't mean that I become the next NCAA champion. We're talking about running a marathon. You don't need to be a born-again follower of Jesus to run a literal marathon. You just need to train. So that's why I say it's almost the same. It's not the same. It's almost the same. So how does this work in the supernatural realm? Okay, that's a metaphor. It's supposed to help you understand what's coming next. Discipleship is training. Paul says, have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and and the life to come. This This is not terribly different. You know, you can picture it this way. The Holy Spirit is telling the church, and maybe you as an individual, listen, I know you want to love Jesus, but you don't know how. If you make yourself my apprentice, I will train you how, and I will supernaturally transform you from the inside out, and you will become the kind of person who can and wants to. That's not, that's not the pastor telling you to try harder, to do something you already know you can't do. And by the way, it's not an instantaneous thing. It takes time. It takes time. So the same is true in a spiritual sense. The same is true in a spiritual sense. What does this training entail? Well, in the sport of wrestling, it means you drill and you learn you, you learn the sport. I didn't know how to wrestle. I didn't know positioning. I just technically was very poor. You, you become better conditioned. You lift. You run. You, you, you put yourself in situations. You do situational wrestling. You do all sorts of things to, to simulate what you're going to experience when you're in live combat. Some of you are like, combat? You guys call it combat? Yeah, you don't play wrestling. You play other sports. But yes, 
combat. And by the way, if you, you've noticed that life, Paul uses that metaphor, we don't wrestle with flesh and blood. It, we're a battle, right? So we should train like we are in one. But we're not talking about physical wrestling. We're talking about, we're talking about living for Christ. So what does this training in godliness entail? What does it look like? What does it look like? To the text which was read, at least part of it here. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know we are in him. And he says, whoever abides, key word, key word. Whoever abides, it means remains, sticks close. Remember what an apprentice is? Somebody who follows a teacher, a master around. They're beside him, they're behind him, they just hang around. They become their shadow. What are they doing? They're following. They're abiding. They're, They're staying near. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. So right before my sabbatical last year, I read a book by Mark Comer called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. We're all exhausted, right? Maybe we ought to rethink the whole Sabbath thing. It's almost as if God intended us to rest one day in seven. Who knew, right? So that's what the book was about. Not on how to legalistically torture everyone by making sure they don't do anything fun on one day a week, but rather, how do you rest? Anyway, this Mark Comer, he says, he encouraged the readers, he goes, go back and read, start reading in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Not to read what Jesus said, but to make note of what he did, his practices. And so I, I did. I, I read the four Gospels, I just kept a notebook. Jesus did this, and I kind of started to tally how many, the things he would do. The things he would do. And that's, that's what we're talking about. What kind of things, what are the practices the disciplines. What does training look like for Jesus? Say, so, wait a minute. Jesus didn't need to train. He's the Son of God. Really? Not that he's not the Son of God, but he didn't train? Do you know that Hebrews says that Jesus learned obedience through suffering? There's a mind blower. How does the Son of God learn obedience? The same way you do. By putting in situations where you have to choose to obey. Do I want to quit or do I want to take another step? So this is, this is training. What, what does it entail? Let's, let's get into some, some nuts and bolts. The disciplines of training. Again, there's that word. Oh, that sounds so much like effort. Did you know that grace is not opposed to effort? Only earning. This idea that as followers of Christ, we're going to sit back in the recliner and eat Doritos, it's not in the Bible. You can sit in a recliner and eat Doritos. They're not mutually exclusive, but that doesn't transform you. They're, they're, they're called the spiritual disciplines. Now, people hate that word. I don't like the word disciplines. Why? Why don't you like the word discipline? Can I, just a shout out. It's not in the notes, but just for fun. Someone, I don't like the word discipline. Why? It it what? It's work. <gasps> there it is again. It's work. It's work. Yes, it is work. But you remember last week? Take my yoke upon you and learn from me because I am gentle of lowly of heart and you will find rest for your souls. It's, it's counterintuitive, but the work 
that we do as we study the word, as we pray, as we are engaged in caring community and learn how to care for one another and allow ourselves to be cared for by others, as we are actually engage our culture and the world missionally, and as we are engaged in corporate worship, all of those require us to do something. They're forms of spiritual disciplines that Jesus did. By the way, that's minimally. You could read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you can come up with many, many more that are not listed there, but those are kind of some big umbrella areas. And as you do those things and are trained to do them, something happens. Something happens. We begin to become transformed. But I got, I got to, we're in perilous danger right now from missing the main objective. Why do we train? This is important. Yes, the word, prayer, community. Missional engagement, serving, uh, and and corporate worship. All of those are are aspects of things we devote ourselves to, our values, things we commit ourselves to, that we practice. We walk as Jesus walked. We do those things. We do those things, but we have to answer, why do we do them? Training is a means to an end of experiencing Jesus. Full stop. How many of you are engaged in a daily Bible reading plan? I'm not asking you to raise your hand so you can get a medal. There's no medals. You don't get a medal. But you, you do, you know, maybe you use the, the Bible app. Okay, daily reading plan. Why? Why do you do that? What's the point? Now, here's, here's where we could go off, off the rails. Well, because that's what good Christians do. There are a lot of Christians who read the Bible daily who they don't love their enemies They don't love people in the church. And quite frankly, they don't even love their family members. So why do do it then? We engage the scriptures to be engaged by God. We draw near to him so that he would draw near to us so that we would experience him. The reason, the reason, at least technically, technically, I'm supposed to be reading the Bible is not so I can teach you. Now that's a fruit. That's, that's something else that happens. But the reason I'm supposed to daily engage the word of God is so that I can be engaged by God. So I can experience him. So remember Matthew 28? Go and make disciples of all nations, baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, immersing these apprentices of Jesus into The community of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In other words, teach them how to experience me. I sent my spirit. He's with you, Jesus says in John 14. He's going to be in you. I want you to experience me on a personal, tangible, tangible, experiential basis. That's different from checking off your daily reading plan. There's nothing wrong with checking off your daily reading plans. I'm not rebuking you if you do that but rather encouraging you to examine what's the purpose behind the training, the purpose behind the training, whether it's engaging God in prayer, in accessory prayer for other people. In a moment, we're going to close the service. And if you have prayer needs, we encourage you to come forward and we will pray for you. Why do we do that? Because God told us to. Well, yeah. Yeah, but, but why? We want you to experience the presence and power of God. And those who are interceding for you, we want them to experience the power and presence of God. Does that make sense? 
That's what's going on here. If you abide in me, if you abide in me, and my words, they abide in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. For this is my Father's glorified, that you bear much fruit. And so prove to be my disciples. The word abide, don't lose this. It means that Jesus wants you to experience him. This is not, hey, do these things, you'll be awesome. God will look at you and say, well done, Brooks. You nailed it this time. No, the reason we do those things is to experience him. To hear his voice. To, to feel his love. To know that we're deeply loved, that we're deeply cherished, even though there are times we don't want to do what he says and we don't feel like we have the ability to do what he says. He says, no, 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 draw near to me. Walk as I walk. Get engaged in the word. So forth and so on. A couple, the, we can't, I'm not, this is not a sermon where I go through each of the spiritual disciplines and train you how to do them. That's not this kind of sermon. It's an introduction to the fact that training is a real thing and we should probably do it. So if you think, oh, I feel like we have more to do. Yeah, (laughs) we do. A lot more. But it's not what we do. It's what he does through us as we draw near to him. So an example of that is the creation of the first Peter study. Encourage you to get involved in that because we want you to engage the scriptures and Christ to engage you through the scriptures so that you are not dependent upon me or any other preacher to touch your heart with the word of God. It doesn't make preaching irrelevant, but it, do, you see, do you see that as an apprentice, as an apprentice, you and I as apprentices of Jesus, we, we want to get to the place where when we open the word, we experience the presence and power of God. And we don't have to wait for Brooks to make me cry or to make me laugh, but that we experience the joy of the Lord as we engage him through his word. So this is a small example. You say, Brooks, I can't even find the book of John in the Bible. I couldn't either. Do you understand that the first time, literally when I stepped inside of this church, I'd never read the Bible? I thought that Genesis was a rock group that Phil Collins was the drummer and the lead singer of? That's not even a joke. I, it was all new to me. I couldn't find Romans in the Bible. But you train and you learn and the Holy Spirit changes and equips. And then all of a sudden I find out, well, I've been given a gift of teaching, a book that I couldn't understand when I first picked it up. How does it work? I don't know. It's supernatural. Thrive, there are classes that begin September 18th. They are designed to help all of us become proficient in the spiritual disciplines, including getting into the word. This year is more of a focus of, of the, the word. There are others, and we're going to focus on those in years to come. So this isn't the year that we focused on the word and we forgot afterwards. But this is the year that we begin to acknowledge and call out that this is how we begin to become an apprentice. So there are different classes engaged to help you become more proficient in the discipline of being in the word of God. And there are classes that are, that are for those who have never picked up a Bible, and there are classes for those who have been following Jesus and know the word fairly, fairly well. So that's one example. And then there's this. 
The short-term mission trips. Do you know why we have short-term mission trips? There's multiple reasons, but it's not because people in Guatemala need Jesus. You say, well, that sounds cold and insensitive. You know, they do, but God doesn't need us to reach them. So why do we go? Why do we spend all this money? Either you spend it yourself or we raise the money and we send you. Why do we, put, why do, we do this? Either the short-term trips that are locally uh, and, or the short-term trips that are, that are further away. Why do we do this? Because when you go on a short-term trip like that, you are immersed into an environment you're not used to. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, you're praying more, you're in the word more, you're serving more, you're sharing more, and you are expecting to experience the power and the presence of God. Do you know what I was not praying for for these people? Do you know that I doubt that they were praying this for themselves? I doubt very much that they were praying that God would multiply the wheelchairs. I don't think that anyone tangibly prayed that. Ryan said we had 53, and then we gave out 57. Wait, what? One of two things are happening. They're incompetent, and they can't count. Or they're experiencing the power and presence of God when they submit themselves as an apprentice to Jesus, and they walk beside him, near him, and behind him, and they watch him do his work. That's why we do these things. Not as an end and of themselves, but a means to an end. And the end is to experience Jesus on a personal level and as a corporate level. That's what he's calling us to. Now, here's the question. Do you want to become a person who can, is able, and wants to, desires to do what Jesus commands? For some of you, the answer is, no, I don't think I can. Stop looking at yourself and your abilities right now. Take your eyes off of yourself. I'm not going to tell you to try harder. Take your eyes off of yourself and fix them on Jesus Christ, the author and perfecter of your faith. He endured the cross and he scorned its shame, sat down at the right hand of God, and he, is, he said, you, you can do this through me. You can do all things. Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He will empower you. He will give you his spirit. He will give you the Holy Spirit. You will be forgiven. And, and you will begin to grow as you follow him. And all of a sudden, you'll be able to love your enemies in a way that you can't right now. And that might mean your spouse. Right? So I, I, I don't think I can. Yeah, I know you can't right now in your current state, but if you, if, you, if you apprentice and you draw near, he will love through you. So Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but it's Christ who lives through me. And the life I do live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul knows it in and of himself. He's a tool. In all sense of the word that you hear me say that. But in Christ... He's a tool for Christ. He's an instrument in the Redeemer's hand, and that's all he is. It's the Redeemer's hand that turns the wrench. He's used of God because God chooses to use him, and Paul says, I'm in your hands. You do with whatever you want. That's an apprentice. So some of you don't think you can. You're right, you can't, but he can through you if you receive him. Some of you, you just don't want to. And here's the sad thing, and I'm going to be truthful with you, and I'm not going to be mean, I'm just going to tell you the truth. Some of you, 
This is Luke chapter 14. Jesus says, there's a master, he gave a banquet, and he sent out all these invitations, and, and some are like, you know, I just, I just bought a field. I'd come, but I just bought a field. I just bought a yoke of oxen. I'd come, but I just bought a yoke of oxen. Or, I'd come, but I just got married. And they didn't come. Here's, here's what they were saying. I'd love to be your apprentice, Jesus, but I got a business. The kids are in youth sports. I just got married or I'm in a relationship. I'm going to school at the, at the University of Iowa. I got all the... It's not that... I think, Jesus, I think you're a great guy and all, and thanks for the whole forgiveness thing. But as far as the apprentice thing, I just don't have time. I think the church is filled with people that are like that. They're fans of Jesus. Yay, Jesus. But they don't have time to follow him. And here's the thing. Nowhere does Jesus say in what follows in Luke chapter 14, you know what? Oxen are bad. And fields, oh, they're the worst. Marriage, terrible. Hate it. No, of course oxen are good. He created them. And we're to have dominion over the animals. To, to, we're supposed to plow fields. We're supposed to make money. We're supposed to do commerce. We're supposed to get married. We're supposed to enjoy our families. And yeah, you're supposed to be in youth soccer maybe. You're supposed to do all the things you're doing. But you've, we've, somehow, we've somehow made it. We've made being an apprentice of Jesus and all of those things mutually exclusive as if I can't, I can't have an oxen and follow Jesus. I guarantee you that in that parable, there were people that came to the banquet who owned oxen. There were probably married people there too. And there were probably people who were conducting commerce and had businesses. But they didn't make those things excuses while, why they couldn't come to the table. Some of you are like, nope, don't desire it. I can't, no amount of me raising my voice and yelling. Ten years ago, this is the part where I start foam at the mouth and yell at you. doesn't work. And I just have blood vessels that pop in my head, so it doesn't help anybody. So, but Jesus is inviting you. Some of you are like, you know what? I am tired, and I don't see how I can do this. You can't. But I'm willing to be an apprentice. This is the beautiful part. This is last week's sermon. That's why Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, because I am gentle. I am lowly of heart. Take that yoke, draw near, and learn from me, and you will find, you will find rest for your souls. Here's the oxymoron. Training is work. But as you do it, you become more rested. You you become the individual who is able and desires to do what God is calling you to do. That's the essence of discipleship. And here's the thing. When we do that, you will become the kind of person who begins with prayer, who listens, Who actually desires to sit down and have a meal with other people other than your family? Who serves people 
and serves your local church and your community and who is able and willing to share what God is doing in your life with other people. I know all of that is terrifying right now and quite honestly, it exhausts you. That's why you need to draw near and take His yoke. And secondly, as you and I become those kind of people, we'll see thousands of people blessed. Do you see how that works? It's His work that He does through us. So I'm going to close in prayer this morning. And if you you have a need, you desire to be prayed for, um, love to pray with you. And by the way, if some of you are physically ill and you're suffering, James chapter 5 a few weeks ago, call in the elders and we will anoint you with prayer and pray over you. Between the services, we're going to pray for a lady who asked for prayer. Um, And if that's something that you desire, let us know as elders. You can let me know, and we'll set that up for a future time. We want to be obedient to the Scripture. Why? Because we want to experience the power and presence of God. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your grace. Thank You for Your mercy. Lord, help us to train, draw near to You, understand You, so that we can hear from You, so that we can be empowered by You so that we can experience you. Jesus, we pray this so that Christ would be formed in us and that the world would know that we are your disciples because of our love for one another and our love for them. Lord, none of that's natural. I'd rather run 26.2 miles. Sounds easier. But Lord, help us to trust you that you will form yourself in us and make the impossible impossible. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless. Go in grace. And we will see you next week. If you'd like.